Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now, your host, Lisa Kosky. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing Divorce Different. We have something fun and different. We have a high powered litigator from New York City chatting with me about all things divorce. And you know, it was really interesting. And I found a lot of ways that we were aligned and in some ways that were different. But both of us were wanting to kind of carry clients through the divorce process you know, to ease their minds through it. So it is Lisa Ziderman from New York, and you can find her in our show notes if you're in New York and needing a divorce. Stay tuned. Welcome listeners. I am so happy that you're here today. We have a treat. We have Lisa Ziderman from New York City. So This is a woman who deals with high-conflict divorce. She's an attorney. And I just think it's going to be so interesting to get to know Lisa because we have some things in common and some, in some ways are very different. We're in common because our names are the same. Mine is spelled odd. (laughs) Yours is not. And I'm doing this from my barn in Wisconsin and Lisa's in New York. So, and I'm kind of the peaceful mediator, Lisa, and you are a high-conflict divorce attorney is my understanding. Is that correct? Yes. I don't think that people will say I'm a peaceful mediator. Um, (laughs) We definitely have a litigation background, and my firm is is basically litigation. We do settle our cases, but we don't mediate the settlement. Oh, you don't mediate the settlements at all? No, we don't mediate. Usually we conduct discovery. We conduct depositions. We make sure that we have all of our ducks in a row. We make sure we really understand the facts in a case and understand the values of the assets, including any business assets, et cetera. And then we'll sit down and try to negotiate a deal. But sometimes we can't negotiate a deal, and that's when you need a judge to actually figure it out for for the parties. So we will take them from the very beginning, a consultation, all the way to the end, which hopefully is a resolution and an agreement, which is probably 95 or 96% of our cases. And then if not, then there would be a trial of the matter. Okay, which we want to stay away from. But I want to backpedal a little bit, Lisa, because I want to find out a little bit. You're a new friend to me. And I want to learn a little bit more about, I mean, did you always dream of being a divorce attorney? (laughs) No. So I didn't always dream of being a divorce attorney. I was in the fashion business for many years. I had come out of high school actually and went straight into the fashion business and at some point opened my own business on 7th Avenue and represented many different designers and work with them to market and to design their lines. And then I went through my own divorce and decided that this would be something that would interest me and something that I thought I could be really good at. 
And I understood from a client's perspective, Mm -hmm. which is rare, what it meant to go through the whole process and how lost someone can feel in the process and how stressful it is when your attorney doesn't respond or your attorney doesn't get back to you. And so I decided I really wanted to be that attorney who would be able to speak to a client, get back to a client, know that the client would feel that I would have the client's back and that I understood the materials and that I was prepared and that when I walked into that courtroom or that settlement conference or a negotiation of any kind that I would understand the facts of the case. And that was really not the situation through my divorce. And so I felt that I could do it better and started my firm in 2013 after having gone and gotten my undergrad and also my law degree. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of stuff. And going, okay, for one thing I want to say, I can see where we're similar and that we're both very client focused and we both want to hold people's hands through this process. Kind of the the clarity of having someone who understands the law just can bring peace to people. And it sounds like that's what you're looking to do too. And I love my guests who have been through something difficult and then they want to do something. So you had this amazing job, it sounds like, in New York City. Went through, was it a horrible divorce? You know, I look back and now I obviously, you know, as a divorce attorney, I look back at my divorce compared to other people's divorces. And I say, you know, it seemed like it was horrible when I was going through it, but it really wasn't horrible in comparison. And I look at how both my former husband and I dealt with our child, who was two years old when we started, and who we had to raise and to co-parent. And although we would fight and although we wouldn't agree all the time, overall, I think what we did do was we did not demean the other parent to our child. And I think that that was something that was so important. And my child, who's now a grown woman, actually has a great relationship with both of us. And so I look back and I say to myself, we did a pretty good job, even though we didn't get along quite a bit. And even though there would be times when I think each one of us would be frustrated by the other, the fact is that she has a great relationship with both of us and we did something very right. I love that. And I think probably, and I'm just guessing at what you're feeling is it's not easy. It's not. And so you're probably feeling carrying some of that pain, but you did it. Right. So even though it was hard for you to kind of be a united front for your daughter, you were. And that's the hope that I want my listeners to hear, especially when there are kids involved, because that is what makes the difference in a kid's life. If you're feuding and fighting and putting the other parent down, it's much harder on your child than when you can be cordial and united and be co-parents. I think that's absolutely right. And I think the most important piece of it is not putting the other parent down because your child is a product of both of you. Right. And so for, I think for my child, although we fought about so many different things and, and look, I wasn't that A plus client who didn't fight in front of her, et cetera. But I think what we didn't do is we did not demean or put each other down to her, understanding that that would be harmful and hurtful to her. And As a result, as I said, she loves us both. I also think the other part of this for clients to understand is that sometimes it's so important for clients to have either a 50-50 or to have primary Mm -hmm. custody, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I don't think my daughter really remembers who had more hours in a day 
or who had more overnights in a week. I think what she really looks at is the experiences that she had with each of us and what her relationship was with each of us. And I think that that's something else that parents really need to understand, that there is a lot to be said for the quality and not necessarily the quantity of the time. And that sometimes it really is about quality, not quantity. And I know it's easy to say, and I know that People say it all the time and judges say it all the time, but it's really true. She's not at 30 years old. She's not looking back and thinking, oh, mom spent 24 hours of the day with me versus dad spent 19 hours of the day with me or vice versa. So that can help you kind of stay focused on that when you're trying to come up with a schedule. I just need to ask you because you've gone through the whole life. You know, your kid was two, did you say? Two. So tell me, did you have an amazing parenting plan or is that how they do it in New York? Because I do parenting plans all the time with people and it helps them kind of plan ahead for the future for things they may not think of that arise. How did you deal with that? So we did have a parenting agreement and I will tell you over time we had to change it because your child's needs also change and that flexibility and being able to negotiate that is really, really important. So schools change. People change where they're going to live. People change what is important to them. People get new spouses. I mean, there are a whole host of things that change in people's lives. And so, yes, you make a parenting plan with this idea that it's going to be forever. But I think that people also have to be somewhat realistic to understand that if you have a two-year-old, for example, as opposed to a 15-year-old, there is likely going to be changes as, as time goes on. And you're going to have to negotiate and maybe even renegotiate those agreements so that it suits your child's best interest. Right, right. And it's like those agreements are easy as long as you both agree. Did you have to go back to court for anything? We we didn't go back to court actually for for parenting. We did negotiate and we did work it out. And there were times when we were getting close to going back to court. But at the end of the day, we were able to work it out. And so again, I think that it's really important if you can, and, and we work with parents all the time to do this, to try to stay out of court. It's not our goal yeah. to be in court. Look, we are litigators. So when I said to you at the beginning, we, we literally craft our case from beginning to end as if we're going to be in court and as if this, you know, that day is going to come when we're going to have to try the case. Because right. it is my view that the reason why people end up giving up so much in their cases that they shouldn't give up is because their attorneys were unprepared. They were unprepared in terms of that day when the court said, okay, put on your case, call your first witness. They couldn't do that. And so it's extremely important that your attorney be prepared, that your attorney understand the facts in your case and the values of the assets mm-hmm. and the liabilities and and get the documents that are necessary, et cetera. But I think once that's done, then everybody can sit in a room and try to figure it out. Right. Which sounds collaborative to me. And now I'm so curious because school me on New York and the law and I'm in Minnesota. I don't think you would find a divorce attorney who didn't use mediation because in our, in the state of Minnesota, you need to go through a mediator first before you break. Is that true in New York? No. It's, it's not. not. So th- that's why you looked so shocked when I said <laughs> So, so the answer is no. It's not required 
by the court. They do ask you if you'd like to do this. And look, many of our clients have come to us after they've tried mediation and frankly, it's failed for them or they've tried collaborative law and it's failed for them. And so, and we also have those clients who we consult with during their mediation as well. Right. So it's not that we're opposed to mediation. It's just that I don't think mediation is really for everyone. And I think when the issues are complex, when the assets are complex in terms of having to value them or trace them or prove your separate property, or someone is making a claim that really needs a discovery process that goes along with it. I don't necessarily think that mediation is the way to go in that particular, in that particular case. I think that you need lawyers who have, have the ability to subpoena documents, to get forensic accountants, to work with experts, to have vocational analysis done for maybe the non-working or right. the house who's not working as much as they right. should, et cetera. And so I, I don't think a mediation is actually for everyone. There are certain cases when it works really well. And those cases I can say from my point of view would be cases where the assets are fairly simple or well known to everyone. Exactly. And I'm going to say, so for me, mo I mean, for my clients, it's the best thing for them to do. And my clients are coming to me together. They want to work together. They are not hiding their assets. They are not. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to say I love attorneys. I am an attorney. I don't act like one when I'm mediating. I just give legal information. But I do often pull in and work with attorneys because i you know, when there's a spousal maintenance issue and if you want to be able to modify it in the future, I like them to get that little piece of advice from an attorney. But for the most part, I have had extremely good, I don't want to say good luck, but I've had great results. And again, these are people who are coming me who are working together and wanting to work together, which is different than you. And then some of my more high conflict ones are the ones that the attorneys reach out and say, we can't come to an agreement on this. Can you help us? And still there's value. I feel like it's an opportunity for you to work together. And I also see that there are times when you need, I mean, like I just had Tracy Malone on who talked about narcissism. I mean, it's pretty hard to mediate with a narcissist. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't diagnose that, but <laughs> but you know, you watch for the signs. So, okay, now I just have to ask you, do you have like any interesting stories about cases or high conflict nightmares or you want to share those? Sure. So, I'll share one. We had a case a while back where the spouse did not turn over any discovery. And luckily, I had the wife who over the years had collected what I would say are breadcrumbs. She would find things in garbage cans. She would find things on counters in the kitchen, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And she would give us these breadcrumbs. And we traced millions and millions of dollars, including to foreign countries, et cetera. And I remember being in the deposition and asking the gentleman who had given me no information basically on his net worth statement. Well, how am I supposed to know what assets you actually have? And he said to me, you'll just keep on doing what you do, which is you'll keep on discovering and subpoenaing and working for it. And I thought, this is incredible. Now that client ended up getting 65% of the assets as opposed to 50% of the assets. And she ended up getting all of her attorney's fees awarded. So I was going to say, that sounds like a case. 
Yep. And so that, that really is. And, and that sometimes happens. So, you know, I think you have to be aware of the fact that you really need to turn over your documents. And I think those spouses who think that they're going to beat the system or beat their spouse essentially at not turning over the discovery or obstructing that discovery process, they are in sometimes for a very rude awakening. And, and that is not going to be helpful to them. Certainly it, it, the assets are discoverable and they have to be aware of that. And to the extent that we end up in court because of that, because they've been or dilatory, then they are going to end up paying for that process. Right. And I always say it's going to come out anyway. So if someone is hiding their assets, what's a good way, like if they share their tax information, what's a good way to make sure that they are disclosing all of their assets? I mean, this is just going to help me be a better mediator, you know, so just to make sure there's nothing hidden So what we do as a process is we first exchange what we call net worth statements in New York, and that is supposed to list all of your assets, your liabilities, and your expenses. And then we also usually send what we call discovery demands. And then when we don't have all the information, we send what are called deficiency letters. And so we go through the discovery, we make sure we have everything, we then go through the discovery, and we try to figure out what, if anything, is missing are there certain bank accounts that perhaps have transfers that are delineated in the account statements that we have, but we don't have the bank account statements on the other side, right? Okay. So there's money being transferred. Are there credit card statements showing other credit card payments or payments right. to other entities, et cetera? And so you really have to go through the discovery. I, I think that that's, it, it's not just that you get the tax returns. The tax returns are a great start because they also have that schedule right. of, of interest and dividends and, um, mm-hmm. and investment income, et cetera. But they're not the be all end all. For example, you could have a real estate entity where you've right. got some sort of a distribution and maybe it's not taxable. And so maybe it doesn't show up on your tax return. And so there, there are so many reasons that you have to go through all the bank statements and the credit card statements and the tax returns and the general ledgers if there's a business in the in 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 the divorce and understand the ins and outs of what you're looking at. And then, of course, making sure that you value all the real property and value the business right. asset. And there might be wasteful dissipation issues. Perhaps you see credit card payments or credit card charges that just don't make sense for these people's lifestyle. Perhaps you're seeing a plane ticket with somebody else's name other than right. somebody in the case. So there, we we go through that entire process. And while I think mediation is great when you can actually, as I said, when it's simplistic or yeah. when everybody is in the know and everybody comes with an equal playing field, essentially, and right. both parties can advocate for themselves. And I think mediation is great to your point when the attorneys are down to an issue or two and they need mm-hmm. someone to opine on it. All great. But I think if if you are looking at an entire financial partnership between two people, you really need to make sure you have all, all of the facts. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're half private investigator. You are. It, yeah. And, and and people should understand when they're hiding, you know, I always tell my clients, be very honest, be very straightforward. Because if somebody finds out that you're hiding something, yes. it could be the smallest thing, right? They're going to then feel that they need to do the chase. And there will right. be no end to that. So be honest and forthright, right. right? You know, years ago, I had a client and he had, he was a partner in a business. He had 
a large amount of money. And bottom line is all the documents, we sent all the documents as we would get them to the other side. Literally, he would organize them. He would send them. It was done in an organized fashion, not to be obstructionist, but instead to give all the information. If right. you're not writing anything, why can't you give the information? Right. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before the saddle up segment and this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my Parenting Plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. Well, okay, I'm looking and we're already winding down here to the end of the episode. And it's been fun to talk to you and to get this different perspective. But Lisa, at the end of my podcast, I have what I call a saddle up segment where I ask my guests for one little tidbit or piece of information that my listeners can do right now just to kind of make their lives better. Do you have something that you would offer? Sure. So I would say that the one tidbit is to become financially savvy about your finances. It's so important that you actually understand your own finances and don't let somebody do it for you. You should understand what it is. And I'm also going to say that there are organizations, and I'm actually on the board of Savvy Ladies, which is a free helpline for women, for example, where women can call in free of charge and be paired with a financial advisor who can help them walk through the finances, and they should take advantage of services like that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Is Savvy Ladies in New York only? It is nationwide. Nationwide. Okay. So we're going to need to connect that in our show notes. And then Lisa, if someone's in New York needing a divorce, how do people get a hold of you? So they can find me at my website, lisaziderman.com. Mm -hmm. They can also email me at lz at mzw-law.com, or they can call at 914 Wonderful. Well, thank Lisa. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time. I love getting the other perspective and also finding out how we were similar. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Before I go, I just want to let you know some exciting news. In addition to my online parenting plan course, I now have the Minnesota Divorce Paperwork course. This course is going to hold your hand 
through the mediation process and the Minnesota divorce paperwork. It's easy, effective, comprehensive. You will have what you need to file for divorce with this course. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.